almighty God, the only true living God. And we choose this morning, Lord, to let our kingdoms fall. We choose this morning, Lord, to let your kingdom rise. Let your name be exalted. We choose this morning to surrender. Everything that we have, all our ideas, all our opinions, everything that we are, so that you will be exalted. We choose to die so that your life in us will stand up and glorify your name. So Holy Spirit, we pray this morning that you will come, that you will take over, that you will guide me, and that the words that I speak this morning will be words of life, encouraging, so that we will draw closer to you. We want to know you more, Lord. We want to know you more. We need you in our lives. So come and speak to us this morning, Lord. Help us to give another step towards becoming like Jesus. Our biggest desire ever. Amen. So this month we are talking about the real reason and Isaac started last month with this theme. Siri dengerig. Kom blaas ek so nou. Um, <clears throat> so, the real reason implies there must be something more than what we see. There must be a reason why we believe, hello, Miss God, why we believe what we believe and why we do what we do as Christians. And this implies that there's something that's not as obvious as we think. That effect that there must be an effect of our decisions and the things that we do and the choices that we make. Maybe we don't even know what it is because some of it is in the future. But if we say the real reason, it implies there's something more behind the obvious. So Isaac um, made these statements last Sunday, and this is really good for he said, true Christianity cannot exist without humility. Shall I repeat that? True Christianity cannot exist without humility. Secular hope is based on what I want. Christ Jesus, our hope, which is divine hope, is based on God's promises and will. So how many times do we hope for things or do we pray for things? But it's just things that we want. 
And then we get angry at God because he doesn't answer our prayers. And yet, he's got the best for us in mind. So this was really, really good last week. Thank you, Isa. It's a very good example of our theme, the real reason, because humility in our lives is where we submit to God and obey what he asks us to do. That's real humility. It's not us being smart or knowing everything. It's just obeying God. It's just allowing him to work through us. Even if we have other wants, like Isaac said, obeying, even if I want to do it differently. And we see that with Jesus as well. He said, Father, if it's at all possible, just take this cup from me. But I choose your will. You see, our choices and Choosing God's will has got a far deeper effect on our lives now and in the future, but also on those around us. And that's what really stood out for me last week. But that also reminded me of a story, and I want to tell you a story again this morning. I haven't for quite a while. So my story is about criminals who broke into this shop. And they didn't steal anything. They didn't break anything. But what they did is they exchanged the price tags. Yeah, you can imagine. So, as the, the next morning, as the customers came in, they looked around and they were very confused, but also very delighted, because you could find her coat for 19 rand 99. Toothpaste was marked at 249 rand 99. The silverware's price was 2 rand 99, while a pair of socks was 1,499 rand 99. How about buying a pair of socks there? Umbrellas, 449 rand 99, and that Diamond ring. Melissa, 12 rand 99. You should go to that shop. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But the question is has anybody broken into our lives and exchanged the price tags in our lives? Sometimes there are things in our lives that are so important. And we value them and we think, sure. But they've got no eternal value. It's just the wants that we want. They become more valuable than God and his word. Or our relationship with others. You see, we so easily choose pleasures, habits, position, power, or even our own opinions over what God asks us 
or what the Bible teaches us. And that's what I mean by exchanging price tags. And I think if we look at our lives, myself included, there are things that we think is, is valuable that we should actually get rid of. That shouldn't be worth anything in our lives. And we all look at that and think, what do we spend our time on? Because what we spend our time and our money on is what is important to us. In the Connect groups at the moment, we are looking at the practices of engagement. And as we understand and start to apply this, it will have an impact on our lives. More than what we realize. You see, it's about engaging with God. It's about, because that's why it's called practices of engagement. There are eight that motivates us to engage with God and his family in a deeper way. It's about growing our new identity, our new nature, who God has made us to be as born-again Christians, by engaging with God. We start to, to understand and to live who he's made us to be, this new creation. But this year I started studying the practice of abstinence. Didn't even know they existed. And this made it, the real reason behind this became so clear to me. And it's things that you will think is obvious. But again, there's something behind it that's much more precious than what we could ever imagine. We follow Christ and try to obey what the Bible says. But I've asked myself, when do I come to a place of really being dependent on God? You know, we, we say we trust God. And I agree, we all trust God. But when am I at a place where I don't depend on my own ideas or my own plans anymore? Or where I don't depend on, on, on others' opinion? Where we really, really trust and depend on God? That's the one question I asked myself. The other one was, when do we start living a life of victory over our circumstances? That's something I asked myself lately. We had a bit of a rough time, all of us here, the last month, I would say, for different reasons. God is just stretching us. He's growing our new nature. So when do we come to the point where in spite of our circumstances, we remain in God's rest? We live from that place of rest, knowing that he's got this. Do you also desire these things like I do? The Bible says it's available. The Bible says we can do that. Obviously not in our own strength. Obviously by being guided and, and led and taught. By the Holy Spirit. 
So trying to answer these questions, I thought of the first thing is that we should adjust our price tags. Ask yourself, what is really important to you? I should ask myself, so what is really important to me? Do we see and acknowledge that there are high-priced things that do not have eternal value and do not help me to grow spiritually? Matthew 6, we read of things that can steal our focus. And very often we think this is a set of rules or what we need to do. But I believe Matthew 6 talks about things that capture our hearts. And I think it's, it's things that we should read and say, be careful that this doesn't capture your heart. And then the climax for me is verse 33. And you all know this. But first be concerned about God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be provided for you as well. Well-known scripture. But in context, it says, let the kingdom of God capture your heart. Let this be why you are here. Why you are living, why you are breathing. Does the kingdom of God and God have the biggest tag in our lives? Is that what we are living for? You see, we are here on earth to learn to have a relationship with Father and Jesus through the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things that we hear for. As this relationship develops, we understand more. We get to know him better. We get to know ourselves better. And we should invite others to receive this and to enjoy this. That's one of the reasons that we are here. You see, this world is not our destiny. When we are going home, we are going home when we leave this world. So sometimes we do things and we spend money, and, and I'm not saying it's wrong to, to buy things. Please hear me this morning. It's about where is your heart. But sometimes things or stuff has stolen our hearts. And we live as if this is our destiny. As if this world is where we are going to stay forever. It's not. We're passing through. And while we're passing through, we're learning stuff and inviting others to be part of God's kingdom and and to discover who he is. So our home is when we leave this world. The second thing that I thought we could look at 
if our price tags are right and we say, okay, God, you are what we want. Your kingdom is what we want to live for. To answer our questions, I think the second thing is to look at the practices that I just mentioned. And the first practice of abstinence is solitude. In other words, isolation. Being alone somewhere. And the second one is silence that I want to talk about this morning. I don't think we realize how important this is. It's not a rule. It's not a law. That we must painfully follow to please God. That's not it at all. It's a way that you and I, and to use Isaac's words again, putting our wants under the will of God and putting our wants to one side to pursue that which is the most important thing in our lives. And it's a practice. That's why I don't like to call it the discipline of abstinence or silence or solitude. I love the word practice. Because the more we do it, the more, the easier it's going to get. And the more it's going to become part of our lives. So let's talk about solitude. It's not an escape from the noisy kids. (laughs) Visited my grandkids. I love them to bits. But they're busy. Three and a half and two and a half, they're very busy. So it's not escaping from something, but it's purposefully being with God. To place our body, heart, and mind before God. That is solitude. I choose to do this. Because I want to spend time with God. To go off on my own, wherever it is. I'm lucky enough to have a room for myself. So my best time is in my bed after I had got my first cup of coffee. Go and sit in my bed. It's also not being lonely. Because loneliness is an inner emptiness. That's not what solitude is. Solitude is purposefully pursuing God, spending time in his presence, studying, praying, reading, worshipping, it could always longer times as well. We could once a week maybe take Saturday morning instead of an hour in the morning. Maybe once a year you can take a week. But it is wanting to be alone with God. That is solitude. So Matthew 6 6 demonstrates that for us. It says, But whenever you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is hidden. And your Father who sees from the hidden place will reward you. 
The reward is his presence. The reward is him being there and and his is is I can amper say um to erfaar hoe hy jou gee. Just to experience his love, his tangible presence. Alexander Fenter writes it like this. He says, The discipline of solitude addresses our need for people, interaction, and daily activities. And all that we derive from that, by withdrawing into solitude, we abstain from this need in order to make space for realizing our need and desire for God and satisfying our desire for His companionship and all that results therefrom. Isn't that beautiful? Sometimes we allow people to take that place and to go off alone with God teaches us and helps us to allow him to fill that place. It's actually our longing for his companionship that many times keeps us busy with other things because we don't realize that. He also says that solitude gathers our scattered thoughts, troubled emotions and tired bodies in rest before and with God. It restores true perspective. And that we've experienced. Stimulus on? Huh? In Godse teenwoordigheid, dan begin alles net weer sin maak en in plek val. Brings everything into perspective. Do you think this qualifies for a real reason? To be alone with God or to have your quiet time as we call it? I think so. For me, this made sense. And then the second thing is silence. Oh, I know. This is about the tongue. Ouch. And I spoke about the tongue a year or two ago. You see Matthew 12. Let's read Matthew 12, 36 to 37. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every thoughtless word they have uttered, because by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So we've all heard and know how important our words are, how powerful they can be, that they can either give life or deliver death in a certain situation or something in someone's heart or life, or even our circumstances. They either bring life or they bring death. We either bless or we curse. Remember the story I told about the two altar boys? Do you remember that? The one became an atheist and the other one an archbishop just because of what was said to them. Do you remember that story? 
Yeah. It was in 9, 20, 2019 I told that story. Just because of what was said to them. They served in the church, both altar boys. They both made mistakes. The one priest just cursed the little boy and he became an atheist. The other priest took the little boy and said to him, it's okay, we all make mistakes. Let me help you. And he became an archbishop. Just through the words of the priest at that time in their lives. So that was a story that I told. So let's go back to the practice of silence. You see, that disciplines our need to talk. And I go for ourselves, so I can sit with you there in the bank. It teaches us not to just dump our stuff or opinions or stuff on others. Or not to gossip, lie, curse, but to respect others and to actually listen to them. When we do marriage counseling, I always ask them, when you communicate, are you listening to your spouse? Or are you busy getting your next answer ready while they are talking? Know what I'm saying? Jylle weet, jylle is net stil. It frees us from the need to convince others or to win arguments or have the last say. Ja, maar. You see, this discipline is not only beneficial when we speak to people. but also when we spend time in solitude with God, to be silent and listen to Him. Very often when we go into solitude or when we go and spend time with God, we do all the talking. Jere, help me here. Jere, sort dit uit. Jere, zap die ou, want uit my seer gemaakt. Jere, of ons lees, Worship, but do we ever keep quiet to allow God to speak back to us? To be silent is to wait on God to listen. And that is what David says in Psalm 37, verse 7. Be silent in the Lord's presence and wait patiently for him. You see, when we start practicing this, you're going to feel like the, the two minutes that you kept quiet is like three days. Feels like three days almost. Because we're not used to that. But it's okay. Keep on. Keep on keeping on. Don't stop. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Sometimes your mind wanders. It's okay, just bring it back. You see, this is not a rule. This is not, as you dit nie recht krij nie, gaan nie gezapt word nie. This is a desire to hear God's voice. This is how we learn 
to distinguish his still, quiet voice amongst all the other voices and noise around us by being silent in solitude, alone with God. And this is something that we grow in. The more we practice it, the more it becomes real. Fenter puts it this way. We withdraw from outside noise to discipline our inside noise. And if you've tried this before, you know the first few times how difficult it is. Because everything else, dit wat ek in die huis moet doen, moet nog kom na my gedagtes toe. Dit wat ek moet beplan by die kerk, kom na my gedagtes toe. It's not blanking your mind. It's focusing on Father. Allowing the Holy Spirit to talk to us. So as those things come to my mind, I just choose not to think about it. Just be real with God. Let's just say to him, Lord, I struggle to focus. Holy Spirit, help me. I want to hear your voice. It's a relationship. Any relationship takes work. You've got to put something in it. Relationships don't just happen. It's work. Even if you've got a relationship for 41 years, Benny, work you nog daaran? Hanli, is it nog steeds werk, of is it nou makkelijk? Verstaan. It's still work. But this is not work in the sense that I have to do it all. We've got the Holy Spirit who helps us. We've got God who desires to speak to us. Who wants to show us who he is. Who wants to lead us. Give us his wisdom, etc., etc. This is a win-win situation. If we can just get through that barrier of awkwardness or desire to talk or learning how to focus. So for me, this is the real reason. Silence, to get to know God's voice amongst so many others. Try and make a decision. Which one is God? We want to learn to know that. And that's through abstinence and silence. And these two things, there are, there are six others as well, practices of abstinence. But these two are, are things that I think really helps us and draws us closer to God. Maybe I will talk about the others later. But like I said, it's practice. Maybe it's not perfect today, but tomorrow I'm going to try again. An athlete doesn't just go onto the field and breaks the record. It's years and years of practice. We will get better at this, but start doing it. 
Let us prize this as the most valuable thing in our lives. And willfully and lovingly practice solitude and silence so that we can know God better and we can control this thing. My previous sermon on this, that was in 2019, I also said that how our tongues and what we say can lead us astray or steal our faith. We need to control this. The Bible says we need to control our tongues, our words. This is a way to start to learn that, to do that. By sitting with Father and allowing Him to do that. So this is my encouragement for this morning. Price tags. And then pursuing what is really important. Because that's where our life starts from. That intimacy with Father and Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Let us just pray.